Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. Well, actually, this is the first episode in a new how-to series that I mentioned on Monday's show. It's going to be a group of episodes where guests and I will take a deep dive into a single topic. The idea for this show came from several of you who were kind enough to write in uh, in response to my plea for show suggestions, uh, asking for more information on advertising. We're talking about that in this show, but we're talking very specifically about Facebook advertising. This is not a broad-based discussion of advertising and all the different platforms that are available to authors. It is instead uh, a targeted discussion on what has worked for our guest, author M.D. Cooper, a.k.a. Michael Cooper, who, as you'll hear very early on in the show, has completely transformed his author business through the use of Facebook ads. Since this is the first episode of the How-To series, let me know what you think. I really want these to be shorter, but Michael delivered such great information that it's essentially the length of a normal AuthorBiz episode. Most of these will, will be a little bit shorter. But let me know what you think. How can I improve these episodes, make them more valuable for you? Email me, steve at camvenmedia.com or in the AuthorBiz Facebook group. You know, things as an indie author are always exciting and occasionally prone to change. The response to Michael's series of Facebook posts has been so positive that people are asking him for screenshots and all of this other information to answer questions that they've had while reading the post. So Michael has decided to turn the whole thing into an ebook. He's in the process of doing that right now. It won't be ready when this show goes live. But there is an email list that's being formed just for the purpose of letting you know when that ebook is available. So it will be all of the information that's in the four posts, much of what he's talked about here, a lot of additional information, and a lot of screenshots. So it should be very useful. Again, I'll have a link that you can click on that will get you to Michael's email list. So you can sign up and be notified when the book is ready. Just go to theauthorbiz.com and look up this interview. All right, let's get to episode one of our how-to series. All right, Michael Cooper, you wrote this incredible series of four posts on Facebook advertising. You posted it in the 20 Books to 50K group. Um, it's a lot of work. Why did you do it? Well, I, I've been seeing a number of posts recently where people were struggling to get the word out about their books, and people would offer suggestions. And one of those suggestions usually is advertising. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes the response would come back that I've tried advertising and it just doesn't work. I felt bad for folks because I know they, you know, they, they feel strongly about their books. They love them. They want to get them out there, but they're just hitting this wall with advertising. And, and it sort of, it grates on me a little bit when people say advertising doesn't work because of course it works. If advertising doesn't work, it wouldn't be, you know, one of the largest industries in the world. It, work, it exists for a reason because you're out there with your book and so are a million other people and you've got to somehow make the readers aware of your book. And the best way to do that is to, to ping them where they are, you know, to reach out to them wherever they are on the Internet, wherever they are in their day. And that typically means advertising. It means you know, you've got to get in their flow. Why do you think so many people think it doesn't work? Are they just doing it incorrectly? Are they giving up too soon? Um, probably both of those things, actually. I mean, the other thing is, is, you know, you didn't, no one wrote a perfect manuscript the first time around, you know, and, and, you know, even if you edited and edited your first book, the, the your first book's probably still bad and you probably should never publish it. You know, it should sit in a shelf somewhere. You should pretend it doesn't exist. Uh -huh. The same, the same things can be true for, for, uh, 
for for ads. You're not going to write the make the perfect ad the first time around, and and it's going to take you. You're going to write a lot of duds and ads that don't work, and and you have to be prepared to spend some money doing that too. Advertising, unfortunately, unlike writing your first manuscript, is something where you pay to find out if you did it right or not. Um, so it's it's a lot of it's about the expectations. People they probably go in expecting um, a perfect ad the first time around that's just going to start printing money for them, and that's just not going to happen. So what what people need to do is they need to come with good expectations. One, it's going to cost you some money to write it to to find out if you can write ads, and two, you're going to suck at it at the beginning. Okay, it's really what it comes down to. <laughs> and they and they they have those incorrect expectations, and they do it, and then it doesn't work. And they say, well, you know what? I just and if you do it wrong, you can lose a lot of money really fast too. Mm-hmm. It might say I just blew a couple hundred dollars and I got I sold four books or something like that and yeah. and so yeah if that's your experience you may come out of it thinking ads don't work yeah and we've all seen those posts in different groups on Facebook where someone says exactly that I spent two hundred dollars and I sold four copies of my book it it doesn't work um, let's let's yeah. talk about Facebook advertising and and how it's changed your author business sure so um, I published my first book back in uh, twenty twelve. And I would say that between 2012 and 2015, I maybe sold 800 copies of that book. Um, and then I released my second book. I actually, it took me three years to get my second book out. Sold a few copies, released my third book. And I, I got a little bit of a bump, actually, with the third book. And mm-hmm. my wife and I realized that maybe I've actually started writing something here. My wife also writes okay. uh, that people might be interested in. And she had been just recently taken Mark Dawson's Facebook course, which mm-hmm. is the Cadillac of, of, of learning when it comes to Facebook. If you really, if you have $700 that you can spend on how to make Facebook advertising and, and everything else he teaches really work for you, then he's the guy to go to. Um, and so she took that course and we started applying the things that she learned in that course. Um, you know, he's got a lot of, a lot of lessons, a lot of do's and don'ts, obviously. And we went from me never making more than a hundred, maybe $250 on a release, um, during an entire month to being um, four-figure authors within 40 days and five-figure authors within um, about 60 days. Wow. And yeah. how much – while that was going on, how much were you spending on advertising? Six figures? <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> I think that we probably at that point didn't spend more than maybe five or $600 a month advertising. Okay. All right. Um, now, now I spend between on Facebook between a thousand, two thousand a month. Okay, so th- this is now. I mean, you know, we're two thousand seventeen now. People, if people don't know about you, they should look you up on Amazon. You've got a lot of books. Um, your your sales rankings are exceptional. We can all do the math and figure out that you're making a lot of money. And so, Facebook ads is working for you, and you're spending a yeah. thousand to two thousand dollars a month, and you're obviously getting a return on investment. So that's all background in you know why we're talking to you about this. I saw this post and I thought, oh my gosh, I hope I can get I hope I can get Michael on the show to talk about this because it's fantastic. And 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 the fact that you're just doing it just because you want to help people that are struggling uh, speaks volumes about who you are as a person. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. All right, let's let's start with the basics. What do we need to know uh, before we get started? I'm assuming the first thing we do is not to start building our ad. That's right. Yeah, and, and I talked about this in the first post I did that you know advertising is an investment, um, and you need to know if that investment is going to have a, a positive return or not. You know, it's, it's I, in case anyone's not familiar with the term, it's ROI, return on investment. Um, you need to make sure that every dollar you spend is making more than a dollar for you. Otherwise, you might you should probably stop doing it. Um, 
And so the first post I did was all about finding out um, what your read-through is on your books. Because a lot of authors really don't know how many people buy book one, end up buying book two, and three, and four, and five, and six. And this is really good information for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could maybe be seven or eight books into a series and not be aware of the fact that the maximum money you'll ever get from book eight is maybe $1,000 or something like that. Because if you if you you know if you look at your your read through on each of your series and maybe it's, if it's trending down at a certain rate, it's going to tell you what your maximum earnings from the next book are ever going to be. Um, you know, assuming that that you um, don't hit hit it big or have something really life changing happen as far as your books are concerned. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, even just knowing your ROI and your read through on your series is a good thing, even if you're not running ads. All right, let, let's 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 um, define some terms here. What what exactly do you mean by read through? So what I mean by read-through is um, the number of people who buy, say, book one mm -hmm. and go on to read book two. Okay. Or to, or to buy book two, I should say. And then, of course, the people that the, then buy um, book three. And there's two types of read-through that you care about. One is called your, is your book over book read-through. I just made that term up. It might be an industry term. I'm not entirely sure. And that's the number of people that, that read you know, book two and then go on to read book three. And book over book, and then so of course three and four and five and six and so on. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to know because you might have a book where you screwed up, uh, you killed off a, a major character or something like that, um, and it really pissed off your fans. I think even, perfectly wrong, Michael Anderley had that happen. He he, uh, he talks about that from time to time. Uh, what a silly thing that was to have done, <laughs> but yeah. he corrected it. <laughs> and he saw his, but he saw his book over book read through drop precipitously yes. after that particular book. Yes. So, and you might, I talked to someone else and they, they actually did a POV change and wrote about a different character in book two. And it actually had lower reads than book three. Their character readers for some reason skipped over book two mm -hmm. and went right to book three, which made their calculations a little bit tricky for their, for their ROI. Um, but you want to know that because you want to know if you screwed up. And, but the thing that really matters, you know, sort of a, at a macro level is what your cumulative read through is. So when you write, um, when someone, when someone picks up book eight or sorry, book one, how likely are they to make it to book eight in your series? Mm -hmm. um, and then you want to know that for each book down the road line, and then that will tell you actually how much money you're going to make from any given sale of book one. And, you know, math just doesn't work on podcasts. So we're not going to get into the math, but I, yeah. I will link to the document that you've written that explains all of this in, in great detail. You, you just did a phenomenal job of explaining it for people who don't understand um, this kind of math. And, and a lot of authors are just, you know, the brains don't work that way. So that's, that's yeah. fine. But you explain it very nicely. But one of the, the net result of, of those explanations, and, and you're talking about read through not only on purchase books, but KU, um, mm -hmm. everything. And yeah. you're able to come up with a number. And in, in your example, there was a five book series. And if someone bought, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm fudging the number, but if someone bought or read book one, you're very likely to earn like $11.17 from that reader. Do I have yeah. that about right? You know, not discounting the number. So once you learn all this, then you know what, what the expected return is from one sale. And yep, then you exactly. can start using that in terms of how much can you spend to get that sale. You don't want to spend $15, although yep. I, Mark Dawson might say, yeah, go ahead and spend it because you're going to have more books and it'll be okay. But yeah. if, if, you're you a, if you're prolific, that's fine. Yes, yes. So um, e explain just sort of in general then, once we have that, we'll, we'll say it's $11.17, then how do sure. you decide how much money you can spend on ads? Right. 
So, and and just as a, a side note, that sort of number, knowing what the value of a, of your of a sale is, or like a value of a lead, is a pretty common thing in business. Any mm-hmm. business that's actually making money is is doing this sort of stuff all the time, which is kind of where I picked it up. Um, so what you what you then know is you know that that, that a reader of and this is a sort of assuming of this one series out. A reader is worth about eleven bucks. I'll go eleven dollars. I'll forget the number of cents. Okay. A reader is worth eleven dollars. And that means that if it costs you more than $11 to attain this reader, you're losing money. Um, now, granted, like you said, if you're, if you're prolific and you're writing a lot more books and whatnot, you can sort of assume that lifetime this reader may be worth more to you. And that mm-hmm. depends on how much spare capital you have floating around to invest in ads. You know, If you're bootstrapping it, you obviously have to try and keep things as, as trim as possible. Mm-hmm. So I believe that the, the, a rough number, and this is based on my experience, which I've only run ads for myself and, and a number of other authors. So this is you know under 10 um, different books and series worth of experience. Um, you're going to make a sale about every 30 clicks or so on an ad. Um, that's for a book that actually costs money. Um, permafreeze will, of course, get you downloads a lot faster than that because um, people just happily click the button for a free. Mm-hmm. So if you work out sort of as a rough average as a starting point um, that I'm going to make a sale every 30 every 30 uh, clicks, um, then you simply divide $11 by 30 and you'll know what the maximum cost per click that you can tolerate is. Um, and I, I, math on the fly is not something I could do either, to be honest. That's why I use cheats. Um, but I think it worked out to around um, your maximum cost per click being around 30 cents as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, you know, f- to be able to just have it all laid out like that the way that you did and, uh, and walk through the process and go, oh, okay, if I'm spending less than 30 cents a click, if, if all these other numbers are the same, I'm spending less than 30 cents a click. I should do this because I'm printing money, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the interesting thing to keep in mind is that if you if you're running an ad um, at five dollars a day, and um, and you, you might only be getting about twenty clicks um, at at five dollars a day at thirty cents a click. If my quick actually might even not be getting that many, to be honest, um, you might actually only see a sale once a day off of your ad. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, they'd be like, "That's horrible." You know, I should I should be printing money with this ad. But like I said, you're spending you're putting five dollars a day into the ad. Um, a sale a day is is actually pretty reasonable. But that also means that in my case, I was or in my examples case actually, I was making eleven dollars off of that five dollars of advertising every day. Mm-hmm. I was basically just I was like that's better than, that's way better than the stock market to be honest. I was spending five and, and getting eleven. So um, that's you know it's a a pretty good return on investment there. So, and even if I was only making a, a sale every two days, I'm still actually positive in, in the return on investment on that. Yeah, when I uh, was when I was in the software software business, we had a a line that we would bring out when when somebody would say, "I I just can't afford this. It doesn't make sense. I can't afford it." And our our product was one that actually saved them money. And so we mm-hmm. would say, "Well, if, if you found a, a bag of money on the ground that, that held thirty thousand dollars in it." And someone else grabbed it first. Would you be willing to pay ten thousand dollars for that bag of money? That's thirty thousand dollars, and and then they would sort sort of get the idea that yes, I can I can spend this, and I'll get that, and it's a positive return. And yep. oh yeah, let's talk more, and maybe we'll buy your software. Yep, exactly. Same thing yeah. for same thing for book advertising. It sounds like it. It really is. Yeah. Now the one thing, of course, that like I mentioned, where you want to you know watch your capital whatnot, is you're not going to mm-hmm. see that money for sixty days. So you do have to make sure that you can you can actually afford to run your ads for a certain amount of time before Amazon actually sends you the check. Yeah, but yeah. and e- even at five dollars a day for sixty days, that adds up a little bit. It does. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So we understand those numbers. Let's say we understand the numbers and we're ready to start doing something. What's the next thing we need to figure out? 
Well, the next thing, you know, obviously is basically who you're going to advertise to. Um, and this is, uh, you know, it's, it's really the same people that you're writing your book for. Uh, if you, if you read, uh, and I recommend, and I mentioned this in my post as well, Chris Fox's right to market book. He goes, uh -huh. spends a lot of time talking about figuring out who your audience is. And even if you don't want to write to market, for your book, because some people sort of find that abhorrent. They're like, I've got the story to tell. I have to tell the story. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really matter if there's a market for it. Going through the exercise in that book are still good because they're also they're at least going to tell you who to advertise to. Um, and they're going to tell you, you know, like what paid newsletters to find and what authors to do to do promo swaps with and stuff like that. So even if you don't want to write your book to market, still great information for the whole marketing side of your book. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it's going to be, you know, around trying to find um, well, the one twist, of course, with Facebook advertising is you need to find traditional authors that are like you because um, Facebook doesn't let you target indies that much because Facebook's targeting is all based around what pages exist on Facebook. You're not able to target individuals. You have to target, you know, um, business pages or fan groups. Um, so you're traditionally going to go with TradPub okay. um, focus on. And it's really what I what I typically do for me. It works well in my genre is I just look at the top top 10 TradPub authors on Amazon and I use those as the people that I'm marketing to as my audience. Um, and some people have mentioned that they, when they do that, they have to pay a lot per click. And in certain, and in certain industries, you're probably going to like those people are so heavily targeted, like Brandon Sanderson, Brandon, Brandon Sanderson, or Bella Forrest, or something like that. Everyone's targeting them with an interest, so they're probably going to cost way too much money to actually, you know, try and get get in front of their viewers. So maybe go down a bit, try and find some people a little bit further down the list to to market to, or try and find some oldies but goodies. Um, for example, in science fiction, I actually target Heinlein, um, Arthur C. Clarke, and Frank Herbert the most. Hmm, really? Because, yeah, people are still really interested in them, but they're not, um, you know, they're not some. They're not the top of the list most of the time anymore. So people aren't targeting them as much as in who they're advertising to. But there's still lots and lots of people looking up those authors and interested in what they're writing. Interesting. Now you, you mentioned obviously you write science fiction, um, and you mentioned that you've done this for other authors. Has your specialty <laughs> always been science fiction, or have you gone into other genres? So, I mean, I, I spend most of my time in science fiction. I know most of the authors there, so mm -hmm. that's that's where I've done most of them. I have done one set of ads for um, an ur urban fantasy um, series as well. Well, sort of, it's sort of semi-urban fantasy. So the, to me, the dist distinctions between the different types of fantasy are kind of weird because <laughs> I, I started reading, like when I started reading fantasy, a lot of these different subgenres existed, but no one called them anything special. It was just mm -hmm. like fantasy that was set in, I guess it was called set in a you know, modern environment or something like that. But um, but yeah, I've done some for that, and actually, I found there were there were interesting things. Like in science fiction, it's ridiculously easy to find art for your ads, but in urban fantasy, it wasn't. But the but the flip side of it was that um, I found that the the targeting was way easier for them because they're they're in some many respects hotter in some respects. And they were it, it just seemed like there are certain authors you could target. You could sometimes target only one author in your when building your audience, and you could actually do really well with that. Um, so it, was, it had its had some of its own peculiarities. But the the one thing that's really important when you when you're building your audience in Amazon is is you first you put it or sorry in Facebook, when you first put in your um, your interests you'll pick a bunch of authors and whatnot and then you get this little option, uh, little text option underneath that says narrow audience, mm -hmm. and what you do is you pick narrow audience and you put in some, um, there's a number of different ones in there but I always pick one called Amazon Kindle, and I think there's like 14 million people that have that have that Facebook knows are interested in Amazon Kindle. Um, and I use that to make it so I'm not advertising people who aren't on Amazon because, you know, otherwise I'd be spending money advertising people on Google Play or iTunes or whatever who aren't, aren't going to read my books. So I, I want to maximize my dollar, my, my dollars, my clicks. Would you do the same thing if your books were wide? I don't know whether your books are wide or not, but sounds like they're, they're not. Would you yeah, do the same not. thing? 
if you were yeah, what I, what I would probably do is is um, I would I would make ads specific for Amazon, ads specific for iTunes and whatnot, okay. um, and so on and so forth. One of the reasons being is that you want to send people to the right store. Now there are tools you can use, like there's one called Smart URL mm -hmm. that lets you. Um, Smart URL is more focused around uh, geographical regions. So you can send people to like the, the Germany store, or the Australia store, or what have you. And then of course there's other things like Draft to Digital has a separate product called Universal Links. Yep. You don't need to be using Draft Digital, but you can use your Universal Links, and they'll actually. First time someone comes through, they'll ask them where they read, and then the second time it will just send them to the right to the right store, be it Google Play or iBooks and whatnot. The downside to that is that you don't really know which ones are working that well. You can, you know, you might be getting, say, you get a thousand clicks, and you only sell four books on Amazon. You have no idea what volume of sales you were, you know, you were driving to those other places. I mean, you can kind of infer it. There's a number of ways to get at it, but I figure your best best bet is to run an ad for each one. Um, and then if you find, for example, the Google Play one works really well, but the iTunes one doesn't, you can now tweak the iTunes one specifically, you know, and try and find some sort of text or image or something like that that works there. Or discover that there's just no value, no viable way to advertise for iTunes and you kill that one. Yeah. One of the things I found interesting in, in reading through your document was when you're setting up your ads, you initially set them up for either male or female as, as a way of testing. Can you kind of explain why? Yes. What I found over time is that um, – and I did this sort of entirely by, by fluke because initially what someone had said is they always said, write your, write your blurbs, um, really character driven and emotionally driven and whatnot. And so I'd written a bunch of, or sorry, when I say blurbs, I refer to sort of the, the text part at the top of the ad. I, I call that my ad blurb. Mm -hmm. Um, when I'm writing them, I, I was, I would just their character based and they were, had emotional punch and whatnot. And what I found when I looked at those is they worked really well with women. Because uh, because Facebook gives you the ability to see what you know, look at your demographics. You can see male, female, and you can see all the different age brackets, and you can see the impressions to click to click ratios for those different age brackets. And I found that, I, that a lot of men were seeing it, but they weren't as as prone to click on it as women were. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, what I always get jazzed up about is whenever I see like a, a movie promo that's got a lot of like really big, amazing setting and whatnot, and like it's like a Star Wars one where it's like lots of ships fighting and people running around with lightsabers, but there's almost no no character in that at all, other than you know obviously the people on the screen. And I thought that stuff always resonates with me the most, so I decided to write some ads that way. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the conventional wisdom that I that everyone was telling me was these won't work. And these were ad, these ads like mentioned nothing about characters; they were just pure setting and plot. Hmm. Um, and they and my best ad that I'm still running, I started running it in November, and it's still going strong. Um, it's had um, about 2,500 shares, um, over 200 comments, um, hundreds of uh, no, sorry, not 2,500 shares. It's had 2,500 likes. Um, it's had hundreds and hundreds of shares. But anyway, it's all setting and plot, and it's only directed at men. And um, and it uh, typically sits around uh, 10 to 15 cents uh, is what my cost per click on that ad is. Wow, uh, which is really yeah, really good and low, and it's it's uh, it does amazing. And when you when you wrote the ad, what were your expectations? Um, my expectations actually were that it wasn't going to work, to be okay. honest, because right. everybody was telling me it wouldn't work. Uh -huh. and this is why I always say to everybody, I always say experiment, you know, go with your gut, try it, you know, as long as you have a, you have a financial tolerance to, to attempt running an ad for a couple of days and have it flop. Um, but you know, you'll never know, you'll, you might stumble upon something that no one else has hit before that works with your readers, with your genre. At, we're ta since you mentioned financial tolerance, let's say we're, we're doing uh, $5 a day for, mm -hmm. for advertising. At what point do you have enough information um, to make a decision, how many days or, or how many clicks, what, how long should you wait? I mean, right. if, if you're yeah. spending a hundred dollars a day, you might be able to know in three hours if it's working, yeah. but if it's $5 exactly. a day, it might take how long? 
Well, so the thing you the thing you need from Amazon from Facebook is you need to know what your relevancy on your ad is. Okay. And relevancy is what. So a little bit of background on Facebook. Facebook a while back actually announced that they've hit their maximum ad threshold for the platform. They've hit the point where they know if they add more ads into people's feeds and whatnot, people are going to have sorry a, a notably negative reaction to mm -hmm. Facebook. So Facebook is at saturation point for ads right now. Um, and what, so what Facebook wants to do, obviously, is they want to show the best ads to their readers. They don't want to show crap ads that people hate. They want to show ads that look as much as possible like regular um, posts on someone's feed. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and so what to do to help to help facilitate that, they have this thing called a relevancy score. And you see that when you go when you drill all the way down to a specific ad. Um, so every you know you've got your campaigns, your ad sets, and then your ads, and every ad is of course a combination of, of an image and whatever copy you've put together, and that will have a relevancy score between one and ten. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook doesn't give you a relevancy score until it's shown your ad to four, shown your ad four hundred and eighty five times. I used to think it was five hundred, but one time I actually watched it, and right when it ticked over to four eighty five, it, it started giving my relevancy score. Um, if your relevancy score is below eight, you need to kill that ad and rework it. Because um, what Facebook is going to do is they're going to show your ad less and they're going to charge you more um, for clicks because they they basically they don't like your ad and mm -hmm. they, they their readers their users are going to like your ad either so they'll they'll do that so as soon as you get that 485 um, impressions you're going to get a relevancy score and usually that costs between four and seven dollars to get to that point okay uh, depending on on how well you've picked your target and whatnot if you've spent ten dollars and you've only had 200 impressions that's already a death knell on that ad that means that facebook has no no intention of ever showing you showing that ad to anybody okay. or if you if you've hit if you've got 500 impressions and you're only two or three dollars spent on that ad that's amazing that means that you're that facebook really likes showing that ad and people are clicking it and they're not charging you a lot to click it What's the so, best relevancy score you ever had initially? Uh, initially, uh, my early ads were only around six or seven, to be honest, okay. relevancy score. Um, now my ads, if they don't have a 10, I kill them. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Or I, I don't kill them. I tweak them. I find I try and work the copy. I work the image and whatnot. But but um, I know I can get 10 out of 10 uh, for relevancy on my, on my ads, so I work till I get it. Okay. And how, how much time do you spend a month? On your Facebook ads for for a thousand to two thousand dollars a month ad spend. Um, cumulatively, probably two or three days at least. Okay, so it's a, it's significant. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it drives the majority of my business now, because mm -hmm. because my you know my my books of all except for one have passed the ninety day cliff. So you know because I actually had a five month break where I didn't I didn't put out any books between November and April. So I've only got one book that's come out since November, mm -hmm. and everything else is over the cliff. So if I want to drive sales, I have to do it through advertising because Amazon's not doing anything to promote me anymore. Okay, and it's it's obviously working. <laughs> yeah. It's all, right. Doing all right. So we all right. So we understand all we let you know. We understand return on investment. We understand read through. We understand building our audience. Now it's time to actually build the ad. Walk us mm -hmm. through. Um, you you outlined four different components of, of an ad, and then kind of walk us through each of those, if you would. Sure. So the the thing to keep in mind too is is I I typically only run the the single image ads. Facebook has a lot of options for carousels and videos and whatnot, and I don't do those because um, I find that they typically don't work as well, to be honest. And if you need to tweak them, it takes forever. In fact, a lot of people, and I see this sometimes on twenty books where people spend a lot of time and effort on a video ad, mm -hmm. and I sort of. Fringe, and I want to tell them that was probably a bad idea, but I don't because I feel bad that they probably just spent like fifty to a hundred dollars on a video ad. Because if that video ad doesn't work, you've just spent that money and you've got a, a yeah. There's piece no of video tweaking. That, yeah, there's no tweaking. It, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't resonate, it's just money down the drain. 
Um, and they don't seem to convert as well. I've, I've yet to find anyone that tells me that they have a video ad that has converted better than a straight text ad. Um, and I suspect because a video ad requires more engagement where, where an image can grab someone instantly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so what you, so this will all just be focusing just on single image ads. Um, obviously if people get those down, they want to experiment uh, more power to you. That's, that's what people should be doing. Um, and you've got the four components. You've got what I call your blurb, which on Facebook's UI just says text is what it says in that part. You've got your, um, your image, you've got your headline, and then you've got a thing called like the news feed link description below that. And of course, the other thing, by the way, is, is the link. Um, I mentioned this in my post I did today that a lot of people, they link to their page or they link to some other landing location and whatnot. I recommend very strongly against that. Um, and I know some other folks who, who, who um, consult on ads recommend it against as well. The thing that is tuned to sell your book the most is your Amazon page. Amazon has spent a lot more time and effort in organizing a page to, to sell well and convert than, than any of us could possibly ever do. Um, and so provide your blurb is good and your cover is good. That is the best place to sell your book. So send people directly to that page. Um, now, are you breaking the terms of service if you're using affiliate codes? Yes, you are. By, by sending someone directly to that page because Amazon's affiliate system says that you cannot link directly to their site with an affiliate code on any platform where you're bidding for keywords, which is what Facebook advertising is. Um, I recommend that people don't use their affiliate codes, but I recommend that you do for a little bit just so you can find out if your ad works. Mm -hmm. You know, don't, don't, you know, if, you're, if your affiliate account gets shut down, don't blame me. Um, <laughs> The only, like, the only scenario I would recommend, get, I would say you might not want to send someone right to your Amazon product page is if you're trying to like, you're promoting three books at once for 99 cents, something like that. You might want to send people to a landing page. But so with that aside, the, uh, the, the blurb at the top is really the most important, the second most important part, actually, the image is the most important. And there's different ways you can write that blurb at the top. Um, a lot of people will say to write like short, punchy copy. They're like, the only thing that works is short copy. The only thing that works is short copy. Um, I've actually always written very long copy, to be honest. Some of my ads are three or four paragraphs long. Um, and what I found is that they actually both convert very well. It really just depends on what you're selling. Mm -hmm. uh, I had an, did one, an ad for another author. I did, did six ads for her recently. Um, I did three of them, and then she found this other outsourced company, and they did three of them. And theirs were all very marketing speak ads. You know, they they had all the they were using the lingo. They had free capitalized everywhere and stuff like that. And mine were complete story based. I read the first couple chapters of her book, and I wrote ads about the character, what the character was doing, what the character was facing. Um, like one of them was like, as soon as the character was done drinking um, some topical drink in the book, she's going to go off and do this thing, and hopefully this bad thing doesn't happen to her. Um, type of type of copy, and um, one of theirs. Their, their peer marketing speak ones was actually the winner. It, it performed the best and had the, the lowest cost per click. Um, and then were all three of mine and then two of their other marketing speak ones were at the end. Um, and my, my one, my one that actually that one of my ones that had a more character driven one eventually did pull ahead in one of the metrics, I think in, in, um, in result rate, it was actually ahead. So overall it's, it actually still costs less money to reach those people. So what I learned from that is that both of these do work mm -hmm. and a lot of it just sort of depends on, on what you're trying to do. And I did some more experimentation and found that really pure marketing speak copy that was like, you know, you know, um, author XYZ, New York Times bestselling and winner of all these awards has this new book out and it's discounted and, and you should really go get it. Those work really well for promos mm -hmm. because there's, there's, there's implicit value in that text. You're, you're basically saying, here's this, this is a deal. 
you're going to love it. Here's some some bona fides. Tell you the author's worth their salt. Um, go off and get the get the book. But if it's just a regular ad that you want to be running all the time, and I do recommend, like if you really want to make money selling books, you have to be advertising your books 24 seven 365. You can't do it just when there's um, when you have a deal or a promo or something like that because. Then you're just you're you're a slave to the uh, to the algorithms and the process of always getting a new book out. If you can actually build consistent revenue from always running ads, that's far better. Like I mentioned, I went five five months without releasing a book, and I was still a five figure author um, at the end of those five months, and that was mm -hmm. purely advertising. Um, well, let me so, ask yeah. you a question about blurbs because we all have our opinion about what makes a great blurb. Um, mm -hmm. it, should we rely on our opinion or should we test? You know what? Well, you got to start somewhere, obviously. Mm -hmm. So most people that starting with your opinion is a good place to go. Although you should look at other ads too. Um, you know, we were in your in your genre and whatnot. For example, Bella Forrest, her ads are actually all very short and quick, um, but she's got some name brand recognition to run on as well, so that helps. Um, but yeah, you should look at who's in your genre, what kind of ads there are, and who's doing well, and start with those. But then don't be afraid. You know, don't don't get married to your ad copy. Don't get married to that image you picked. You know, don't be afraid to say your baby's ugly. Um, and and tweak them and try them. So it's mm -hmm. it's I, every ad I do, I usually actually I'll make three or four copies of that, tweaking different things and trying different things. Um, but it, but I, I do really believe that every, that there's a certain gender aspect to it as well. Like I mentioned before, I mm -hmm. think that women respond better to to ads about people and characters and emotional struggle, and men like like copy that has to deal with um, with setting and plot and, and grand grander issues and whatnot. Now, of course, those are those are hard and fast rules. There are people that cross both sides, but um, so what I think it comes down to is that you're not going to find one ad that appeals to 100% of your audience. You know, you're going to have to run different ads that target different types of images and different types of copies, copy to capture different parts of your audience. Okay, one of the things that I see in Facebook ads all the time that I didn't realize was a no-no when I, when I keep seeing it over and over and over again is people using their cover in the ad and mm -hmm. people using an image with text over it. And in each case, you're just like flat out, do not do this. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And Facebook actually used to deny ads entirely that had text on them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and after a while, they gave in and they started allowing them. But they'll still deny your ad if it has a lot of text on it. Um, but what I've seen when and when running ads and every now and then I test it because I want to make sure that that things haven't changed. And I think this ties back to my belief that Facebook wants to make ads look as unlike ads as possible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they want someone's ad with a nice picture to fit right in with the with everybody else's with the news feed of everything else of all the cat pictures and food pictures and whatnot that are floating around out there at Facebook. Um, so what I what I would do every now and then is I'll ex I've, I've experimented with ads with text and ads with a book cover and without fail. And I've, done, I've tested this dozens and dozens of times now. Um, if I make an ad, that exact same copy, exact same ad audience, one version has a picture with text and one version doesn't, mm -hmm. the one without text will show more and cost me less money. So Facebook will, will actually display it, sometimes as many as two to three times as much. And they'll charge me sometimes about 50% less per click than the one that has text or book cover. And the book cover ones seem to be the worst. Like they'll, they'll, I'll, I've run some ads where um, a nice, like a piece of stock photo that cost me 50 cents to grab, mm -hmm. uh, will have a cost per click of 15 cents. And one with a book cover will have a cost per click over a dollar. And, <laughs> and your covers are nice. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. It's yeah, it is. And the one, the one piece of data that I've received recently from another author that I want to test a little bit more is that he ran one with a book cover and he found he was paying a buck 50 a click, but he sold a book every two clicks. 
So, oh. so that was that was pretty interesting because I guess what his and his his belief out of that was that the people that clicked it knew they were going for a book because one thing is a lot of times people have no idea that it's a book they seem to miss that fact um, in an ad or maybe the ad doesn't say it's a book so they go off they land on Amazon they're like oh I didn't want a book I wanted a TV show or a movie or something like that so they they go so he felt that that it was very explicit that it was a book and that you were getting committed book buyers at that point and I think it's interesting I want to play around with that concept some more but it's an expensive concept to play around mm-hmm. with because you yeah dollar fifty click yeah you could burn a lot of money and, and have zero results from that so i wouldn't recommend that for anyone who's just trying trying to getting out there and trying things out oh wh- one of the things you said that i i, I want to bring up here that, that i'd forgotten about i wanted to get to it earlier when you're sure. selecting your audience you were very specific about the countries that you select i was yep yeah, and so it's it's funny, and I I'm from Canada, so I feel like I can I can I can knock Canada, and then you know by relation <laughs> I can knock Australia here. But um, no one lives in Canada and Australia, so I want to let people know that there's no one there. Um, Canada's population is about the same as California's, and Australia's is a little bit smaller. So spending a lot of time and effort focusing on Canada and Australia is is going to have a small return from an advertising perspective. Um, now, if you have a, a regional book that you know you think targets those regions very well, it's a different story. But if you have sort of a general fiction. Um, you might as it be as, as logical as targeting New York State, um, less logical actually. More people live in New York State, so it's I, I typically don't actually push ads to those people, um, mainly because I find they cost more for one. And I used to push ads to Germany because I actually sell well in Germany until I realized that the German page rate for KU is way lower than the than the U.S. page rate. And I suspect it's because in the in the German speaking store their freaking words are so long that that Amazon actually had to adjust. <laughs> Um, I talked to an author like a year ago and they uh-huh. said they make huge bank on KU from Germany. Uh-huh. And I thought that was interesting. And then now I'm like, ah, they dropped the rate. Like Germany's down like 0.0034 when oh. we're 0.045. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's, yeah so there's not. And, and, I, and so for us, English books in the German store, we're making very little money off of KU. So I, I stopped bothering with them. And now I just focus on the U.S. and the U.K. And a lot of times I'll actually eventually I'll, I'll split the ads. I'll run a different ad for the U.S. than for the U.K. Because certain verbiage works better and images will work better with them. And, of course, there's certain do nots. Um, and I learned these the hard way. Do not advertise to the Philippines or, or India. Um, both of those countries, because both those countries will come up as English, in, in, as, as optional English speaking countries. And they will they will click your ads till the till the cows come home and they'll never buy. And they'll, they'll spend all of your money mm-hmm. and, and you'll, you won't make any sales. Okay, so we've covered the uh, the blurb or the the top the, the the information above the image. We've covered the image. Then we've got headline text and a description below the image. And I, I think it's interesting the way you mix the elements in your ads. Where if you go with a certain type of ad, you might use uh, a slightly different technique with the headline text, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then, of course, the, the important thing to note is that when you put in your link to Amazon, um, Facebook is going to pre-fill in. The title of your you know of your product page, and they'll they grab the first bit of your blurb as well. They're actually pretty good about that, and they'll stick that in there. And that's that's sort of just a waste. You know, they're gonna one typically that stuff doesn't fit in there very well, and two the readers users gonna see it in the next page anyway. So I always try and go for yeah for a title that um, has emotional punch that ties in with my blurb, or if I'm doing a discount or a sale or something like that, that's where I actually mention you know that there's a sale and it's a limited time sale or something like that in that in that headline spot, and that's the big bold text. That shows up right below the image. Okay. Um, and then you want to, and then below that, yeah, like if I have a, a very character-driven 
um, blurb at the top above the image, I might write something more about me as an author or about the setting or something like that, or compared to other authors down in that. It's called like the, the news feed description, link description is what Facebook calls it. So I might write something more like that there. So that there's a bit of a, you know, if someone's, if they're maybe piqued by that character driven um, description at the top and they, then they go down and say, Oh, it's like these other authors, you know, whatnot, then it, it gives me a good mix and I can, I can maybe have one ad do a little bit of double duty and, and hit people who are tricked by, you know, by, by different things. Okay. If someone's out there listening and I know there are people just like that out there, out there listening who have maybe tried it and decided it didn't work and they want to try it again. How much time should someone who's not really that familiar with building Facebook ads spend building that first few, the first few ads? Um, you know, I guess one thing we'll come down to is, is, um, is how good you are writing short form copy. Mm -hmm. A lot of authors are, are very bad at short form copy and, and, uh, and luckily a lot of them know it, which is good. Mm -hmm. uh, because short, basically you're, you're taking the, uh, like the type of blurb you write for your back of book and you're going to cut it down to a third. And you're now going to try and describe your book in a third of the text that you already found difficult to describe your book in. So, you know, for a lot of those people, I think it's worth, it's worth getting it right. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're going to spend, you're probably going to spend five to $15. I guess on the flip side, you think, what's my, what's my time worth? Um, but you're going to spend about five to $15 to find out if you pick, if you got the right text, um, in there. So I would recommend spending, you know, half an hour to an hour at it, run it past some friends, see if it's text that grabs them. Um, you could, I mean, one of the things that you never see anyone talking about in the 20 books group is whether or not ad copy is, as a You're right. Everybody talks about their blurb, but, but you don't yeah. see people asking about ad copy. Yeah, so that you could totally, you could, I mean, you could even do it up. You could, you could put it into the Facebook thing because it gives you a little preview window, and you could paste that in there and say, "Hey, yeah. you know, readers of this particular genre, would you click on this? Does this interest you?" So that's that'd be a great way to to try things out a bit before you spend money. Um, you might get more more opinions than you want, but sometimes that's a good thing anyway. It might tell you that you've you've got to make a correction in your approach. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that if you post it in the twenty books groups, you'll you'll get plenty of uh, opinions about it. Um, what are the what are the things that you do that I think is really clever as a way of of sanity checking maybe your ads is that you first run them just to people that like your page. Yep. And why why do you do that? So there's a thing actually we haven't touched on yet. It's called social proof. Mm -hmm. um, social proof is, is a thing that exists everywhere on the internet now. And it's a word that basically describes whether or not other humans think what you did is worth anything or not. Um, you know, and that could be, that's also, for example, your reviews on your book on Amazon are a form of social proof. Mm -hmm. um, shares and retweets on Twitter are a form of social proof. And on a Facebook, social proof are comments, likes, and shares. And so what Facebook, Facebook obviously has a lot of, a lot of work that they've done to determine programmatically whether or not they think your ad is good and your copy is good. But what they really care about is what, what do other humans think? Um, and so the more humans that have reacted positively to your ad with likes, shares, comments, um, the more Facebook thinks this is a valuable piece of com content and I'm going to show it to more people. Um, and Facebook actually has a thing. Whenever you put anything up on Facebook, be it an ad, um, you're posting about your dogs, whatever, they will actually take that copy that you've, that content you've put together and they'll show it to a percentage of, of people that you've selected, be that your followers, people that have liked you, or in the case of an ad, your selected audience, they'll show it to a percentage of those people, maybe five, 10%, and they'll see how they react to that particular piece of copy. Um, we, so, so if they if they send it out, it's, like, it's about you, some food you just ate. You send it to all your friends, and they all like it and start commenting on it. Facebook's going to start showing it to more and more people. They don't stick it on everybody's feed all at once. They do it progressively, and and so that's called your social proof. There's proof that you know the social group that you're involved in is actually interested in this content, and they do the same thing with ads. 
Um, and the funny thing, too, is that the comments don't have to be good. Because as far as Facebook's concerned, a flame war is just as good as uh, as anything else. Yeah, it still shows up as 97 comments. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's interaction, and it's, it's it's action on Facebook, bringing people to Facebook, talking about things on Facebook, and that's what they want. They don't really – I mean, they probably care to a certain extent if it's positive or not, but the algorithms don't really care that much if it's positive. Um that, that I know of. There's probably some tweak in there somewhere. But um, yeah, so what I do is I always take my ads and I, I make sure that I also I, I um, include people and sometimes I'll even require people who have liked me or my page something like that as a requirement and who gets to see that ad. And then once I cross, cross over the, the 485 um, number for impressions and I get my relevancy score and whatnot, and I get a couple of comments and likes, I actually exclude them from the people I'm, I'm in my audience. Um, and Facebook will then recalculate your relevancy score, but it doesn't lose your comments and your likes and whatnot that you got. Okay. All right. So even if even if you're sort of artificially inflating the relevancy score in the beginning, you, you recalculate it right away, and, and you can still tell if it's if it's not a yeah. sound ad. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing, too, even from a, from a human social standpoint, is that people will interact with things that other people have interacted with. Yeah. You know, if there's some comments, people are more likely to leave more comments and whatnot. So there's a bit of a social engineering aspect of that as well. Um, and, and then, so that's an important note though, just for anyone who's getting into this, if you have a Facebook ad and you change the content of the ad, the image, the blurb, the headline, anything, Facebook removes all, um, social activity from that ad. They'll remove all the likes, they'll remove all the comments, all the shares and everything. And that will look like a brand spank, a new ad because, you know, from their standpoint, this people were commenting on something that may not be there anymore. Okay. So if you, if you modify the ad at all, you lose all of that social proof. But if you change the audience or the link target, you don't. So, um, okay. so that's, that's why you can make that particular change and, and be okay. Yep. So that's a good thing to note that if you, know, you get this ad, it's got tons of comments and whatnot. Don't go and change the actual copy of the ad because that will all disappear. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we have our ad. We've built it. We've spent time on it. We've got our budget. Um, three or four days later, especially if we're starting at $5 a day, should we start tuning? I mean, you just mentioned some of the drawbacks of tuning. Um, you know, you lose whatever social proof you have. So um, when do you make the decision to tune or, as as you say, kill it and do a new ad? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, the first one is, is if, you've, if you've got your relevancy score and it's, it's not age or above, then it's time to play around and try and, and, try and find, um, find something better. Some of that depends on your budget. Sometimes you might say, you know what, this ad – because relevancy scores can go up or down actually too, um, you know, because maybe – Everybody that likes your book was watching the game one particular day or something like that, and they weren't on, and now they're back on Facebook and they see your ad. So you can sometimes see your relevancy scores fluctuate. Um, so if you have a tolerance, a financial tolerance, so maybe leave that first iteration of the ad up a little bit longer and see if it's going to continue to work. You can do that. But if your score, if your relevancy score is below eight, I would recommend you know um, first thing you do is you take a look at your at your um, your demographics. Whenever you click on a particular ad, you'll get this little, there's this little link that says view charts. You click on that and the, the thing slides out and you'll, you can, um, you can see what your clicks are and what your cost per click is. You can also see if that's trending up or down, by the way, if your cost per click is trending down, then you're on a good way path. Mm -hmm. If the cost per click is trending up, then you know things are going to get, only going to get worse. And ads do typically cost more at the beginning than they do over time. You'll find a lot of ads, like even ones for freeze, where I've seen the first day, the cost per click was like 70 or 80 cents. And by day three, it was 15. Okay. So the trend lines there matter a lot. Um, so it's good to keep an eye on those. But the other thing you'll want to do is click the demographics link and look at male versus female and the different age groups and um, and see what they run. Because what you might find is that, you know, maybe there's a particular age group, uh, maybe it's, you know, the 24 to 35s. 
you're showing them your ad like crazy and they're never clicking. Um, and, and when they do click, it could be really expensive. So what you, what you would do then is you would basically go back to your ad set and your audience and you'd remove that particular group from your targeting. And you could take an ad that wasn't really profitable at all and make it very profitable by excluding some unprofitable um, demographics in there. So that would be one of the things you could tune. And I think it's on the, um, it's on the, on the actual ad tab, the default over on the right, there's a thing that says like, um, I forget what it is, but it's a button that says performance. Your default view is performance. Mm -hmm. And then there's one beside that called the breakdown. And you can actually get a breakdown um, view of that particular graph that will actually show you your your relevancy, your cost per click, um, and impressions for each different age group and gender as well. So that's another way to look at it. Because I think the graphs don't actually show your your cost, your average cost per click. So there's a number of different ways to do that. But you can you can really play around with some of those different views in Facebook there and and find demographics that are either a kicking it or or killing it, you know, okay. which are one of those you think is good or bad. And you can focus on the ones that are working well. Um, what and, what kind of author and when I say what kind, um, what sort of how many books should you have before you get serious about advertising? So I mean, that, that goes back to the very thing at the very beginning about your ROI mm-hmm. um, and your read through. What I've found is that if you've got one book, you're Unless you're really trying to build up awareness about you and build a brand, chances are you're not going to find a way to make ads terribly profitable. Um, because the thing that we're, you know, we're selling books, we're selling a thing that at best is going to maybe cost six or seven bucks. At best, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's and, and and of course the more it costs, the, the less you're going to sell because you know you can't you're not going to get any impulse buys off of a seven dollar book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're competing on Facebook against people that are selling five hundred dollar things. You know, the people are selling things that cost thousands of dollars, and so. Um, you know, they're all willing to pay a lot more than we're willing to pay per, for a click. You know, if you're selling, if you're on advertising, um, you know, phones, the latest iPhone, you're willing to pay, you know, 10 bucks a click, even mm-hmm. if you have to, if you can, if, if they can prove out that that click is going to turn into a sale, you know, and we're not willing to pay anything close to that. So we have a very hard time making money off of just one book being out there. Um, and really the only way that I've found where anyone can, can show me that, unless you have a massive library of books, mm-hmm. uh, that you can be profitable is if you have at least three in a series and not three standalones, three in a series. Okay. Because standalone books have a much higher drop off between books than a series does. Okay. One so, last, one last question. And this is the catch all question. What should okay. I, have, what should I have asked you that I didn't? Well, that's a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping you'll say nothing, but it, it would be even better if, if you had some great insight into something that I just left laying there on the table. Um, well, the, the one thing that um, I don't think we talked about was who to run your ads as. Oh, um, yeah, okay. I, All right. Let's so, talk about uh, that. Yeah. And so it's who to run your – it's, it's going to come down to self-promotion. Um, is that you know a lot of authors and when I first started doing Facebook ads and after I wrote my first book, just the idea of promoting myself was was very distasteful to me. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of I had the realization just the other day that a lot of these new authors who are kind of struggling with their marketing are probably in the same place. You know, I've kind of forgotten what that felt like to to feel bad about promoting yourself because once you do it for a while, you divorce yourself from the brand that you've created in your books. And when you when you market your books, you're marketing this other thing which isn't really you. Um, and it's hard to do that at first. But on the flip side, those of us who've been promoting ourselves for a while forget that people actually kind of do view self-promotion as distasteful. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's because it kind of comes off as obnoxious. And it's hard to do and not be distasteful about the whole thing. You think of like the big slick, you know, presenter at some show or something like that, you know, who gets up there and is all smarmy and whatnot. That's what you think of as a self-promoter. Mm-hmm. Um, at some conference or something, and that's and people do find that sort of thing distasteful. So 
what I recommend people do is actually create um, another fan page. Another, and I think you actually you actually have to make it like a business style page. You can't just make it a, a group and um, and build up um, a page that's about your genre, about your your um, your fandom. For example, if you write, uh, you know, urban fantasy um, so if you could maybe like, like a Buffy and Supernatural fans page or something like that, and you know for for those groups and start to talk about you know how you love Buffy and Supernatural and promote other books by not you that mm-hmm. are about those sorts of things, and you'll start to get people liking that page and finding that page. Um, who are your audience? Which is actually a great thing as well. These are these are people your audience, and they're you're actually going to build a group of them that 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 are coming to you. And then you also promote your books. So whenever you run your ads, instead of running your ads as like Michael Cooper author page, I run my ads as one of these other pages. And um, and I'm doing two things by doing that. One, I'm not making it look like I'm shilling myself all the time, which can be distasteful to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, it makes it look like it's this sort of this trusted third party that's recommending my books. Now, some people view that sort of thing as distasteful to begin with, but that's pretty much all advertising in the world. So I, I figure <laughs> even if it is distasteful, it's sort of the beast. Uh, so... That's kind of true, right? So that's so that's why I have a number of these pages that that are all about you know different different sort of subgenres of, of of science fiction, and I, I post stuff about movies, about books I've read, um, about games and stuff like that there. And then of course when I run ads, I run ads as those pages. And if I'm running a special, I, I post on about about those. And I do that for a lot of my author friends too. A lot of them don't even realize it, but every every couple of days I'm actually posting about some science fiction book on these pages. Mm-hmm. And or our authors from 20 books that I see floating around and whatnot. And of course you want to be careful. You want to make sure they're it's good books because you want these people to trust your recommendations that when you recommend your own books, they of course will come to come to you as well. But I find that my ads have about a 30% better return if I advertise them as one of these pages versus by myself. And how long did it take you to build up the, the social proof? We've talked about social proof, the social proof with these pages. To be honest, it, it takes eight months at least, I think. Okay. To really to really get them going. Um, like I think my biggest one now only has 2,500 followers, um, which, which isn't huge, you know, by, by a lot of, by a lot of standards, but I don't do any, I don't do any of those sort of, like I don't run ads to get likes. I don't do any sort of, any sort of, um, follower like building activities because I find those people are, are less valuable. I want people that actually like saw one of my ads and decided to like my page is pretty much how all these people come around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're all, they're all definitely my audience. You know, I targeted them with advertising. I showed them an ad and, and they liked the page, which at first was like, blew my mind. I'm like, who's going to like a page for an ad, but they do, <laughs> which means they, they want more of this content. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's, that's, that's how I do it. And the great thing too, is that once you get, um, more than a thousand people, you can start to build lookalike audiences. And I've talked about that a bit in one of my posts. I've had good good luck and bad luck with lookalike audiences, but you but they do work in many cases, so they can be very useful in that respect as well. Yeah, uh, we've been talking for about fifty minutes, and we have probably covered forty percent of of what was in your post. So I will yeah. link I will link to the posts uh, in the show notes, and Great. so everything you've done, so people can get the the full effect. Uh, what's the best way for people to find you? online on facebook wherever wherever you like to be found um yeah so they can if you want to if you want to chat with me and talk with me about um about ads i I can do a little bit of it obviously i can't handle everybody in the world coming to me you can find me just as um as michael cooper in the in the 20 books group um that's probably the best way to do it because i think if i think there's probably about a billion michael coopers out there so if you just search for me you won't find me um you can also look up my my author page i think is is um, md cooper author so you can find me that way on facebook as well um, and those are probably the two best ways. If you're interested in science fiction books, you can always visit my website, which is aeon14.com, A-E-O-N, 
fourteen.com as well. And there's a contact form there too. So if you want to fill that out to reach me, you could you could do that too. All right, Michael, thank you. I appreciate you jumping on sort of in the middle of writing this opus on Facebook ads and <laughs> uh, and, and sharing this with us. Uh, it's great to it's great to finally chat with you. Yeah, you too. And thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, we'll have show notes with links to everything we mentioned at theauthorbiz.com. 